Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Don't you know everything you see just isn't what it is? I mean, I don't care how firmly persuaded you are, it just doesn't always pan out that way. This uh, past week, um, I um, decided it was time for me to purchase a motorcycle. Um, Now, I don't want one to want one. I'm going to be honest with you. I've gone to many countries, and um, one of the greatest modes of transportation is the motorcycle. And to be quite honest with you, not very confident about that piece of machinery. Now, I was in the Army. I've ran some five-ton trucks. Some, uh, uh, we called them deuce and a half, two and a half ton trucks. You know, I've ran all kind of military vehicles. And then, you know, I can shift gears so I can do manual. I can do automatic, you know, cars, trucks, doesn't really matter. You know, I've even, you know, done some boats. Not the big stuff like Carlos does. Never done a sailboat, but I'll get that training here in a little while. Uh, but with that being said, you know, motorcycles, bicycles, yes. Motorcycles, no. And so um, I just heard in my spirit, the Lord says, you should familiarize yourself um, with this mode of transportation. So me and some guys from work went up and took the driving test, right? In order to get your endorsement, you need to go take the class. And so we went to the class, did a couple days, two or three days. I can't remember exactly how many, maybe it was four, um, that we went up there and uh, did our tests and stuff, you know. So I've had my endorsement. But I haven't purchased. Now, all the guys, they went and bought their stuff. And then there's plenty of you that y'all, you know, ridden motorcycles for years. You know, uh, Casey, who helps us here, often he has a brand new Ducati that he brought up to my house. I was too afraid to even get on the thing. You know, I didn't want it to fall over, scratch, nothing like that. And the thing's so fast, <laughs> I mean, I could just, it's gone. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you know so I'm not going to be like that. Anyway, I had it in my mind because... In other countries, you know, the things that we typically drive around here aren't there, and they're uh, a lot smaller cc. So in my mind, I want to get a Royal Enfield, no larger than a 500 cc. Because you know what, guys, I'm going to be driving that A1A. That's what I'm doing. That's all I'm going to do so I can get familiar. That way, when I'm in another country, if something goes bad, I can get on a motorcycle, and they won't catch me. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's just in case we can get away. Because the world's going crazy, people. <laughs> you want to be able to get in anything and get away if you had to. Now, I'm not living by fear. I'm just saying I don't want to be stuck having to ride a motorcycle and then be in trouble. Because I can't get it in gear, can't get the clutch out, and, you know, I'm falling when I go around a curve. Okay? So, um, you know, I decided it's time. I found this deal online, a Royal Enfield. They have this classic model. It's, uh, it's called the Classic and um, so it looks kind of like the old World War II motorcycles, right? They have the different colors for the uh, branches of service. Ultimately, I wanted a green one, but they had a squadron blue. And I thought, well, I'm on the beach. I'll take it. So, you know, I enlisted a couple of my uh, uh, motorcycle friends that know way more than I do. You know, let them talk, right? And let them ride it for that matter. I'll probably ride in the parking lot, but I'm not going to get out on the road because I could die. You know, I got to work in the parking lot here a little bit more before I'm even going to go to my house. But I'll overcome my fear. I'm going to get this thing, right? And so um, with that being said, they had a picture of it. You know, 
I called up after I prayed at the county on Tuesday. I said, do you still have this uh, Royal, Indian, you know, Royal Enfield, you know, classic squadron blue? Yes, sir, it's here. I said, well, I'm coming. So we loaded up my Jeep and we took off. Got all the way up there and um, started looking for it. Couldn't find it. Found the guy that I was supposed to. I said, hey, you know, where's this um, squadron blue, you know, classic Royal Enfield? And he said, oh, well, it's this one right here. Well, it wasn't. That was a classic bullet. Totally different one, had stripes, wasn't, the vehicle, wasn't it? I said, look at the picture on your website. They don't match. I came to get this, ve this motorcycle. Y'all don't have it? No, sir, that's it. I said, well, we're gone. And I left because I came for something specific. My point is, is that I believed the picture and the voice of a man I never heard before that they had what I wanted. With my eyes and with my ears, I mean, I took the time to say, is it still there? I didn't want to waste my time and go up there if it wasn't there. Come to find out, it never existed. It actually never existed there because they put the wrong picture up. Lesson learned, the next time if I get a stock photo of a motorcycle, I'll be like, take a picture of it. In fact, FaceTime me, I want to see you in, in front of it. I want to know the things there before I waste my time coming up, right? How often, though, do we act on things based upon what we see and hear? I mean, there was no reason for me not to trust the guy. I'm obviously operating in love because love believes the best. He's not a liar. Now, I'm not calling him a liar. I'm saying who posted it lied. And he was quick to give a scapegoat, no doubt. I said, this isn't, a, he said, well, you know, my inventory manager, they posted it, you have to talk to him. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure out who posted the wrong one. It, it, at this point, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not going to die because it's not here. You know, my life's not going to fall apart, you know. I've had great conversations with my friends that we went up there and came back together, and it was great. Just, you know, a little disappointing, but all in all, still was not totally a waste of my day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the enemy will get you to be led by what you see and hear, and he will waste your time. Because he'll get you busy chasing after stuff that you think is something really great or even God, and come to find out, you'll be greatly disappointed. Why do I say that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 13 tonight. We need to, whose report are you going to believe? I mean, whose report? Well, for me, I believed, and I'm not going to mention the dealership because I don't want to make them look bad, right? At the end of the day, love covers a multitude of mistakes. <laughs> not going to hell for that one, but it was a mistake, all right? And uh, so I'm not going to write a bad review on them. I'm not going to do that. At the end of the day, could have been just a simple Mistake could have been they tried to manipulate getting someone into the shop for that particular model and even though they didn't have it and then wine and dine them, so to speak, to get something else. I didn't give him time to have a conversation with me about another one. But, you know, when you know what you want, then you won't take something else. You're just not going to settle in that context. Well, then I had a second disappointment because I actually had a pastor friend who had a green one that was given to him. I called him. I said, hey, would you consider selling this or texting me? He said, sold it last spring, man, sure would. But I sold it last spring. I'm like, 
Oh, well. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians 4, we'll start in verse 13. It says, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more now, people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And you know this verse, we've said it many times. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporal. A couple of other translations of verse 18 says it this way. The New Living Translation says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The Good News Bible, it says it this way. We fix our attention. Man, that's a good word right there. We fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can, what can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. Well, what are these things we're talking about? Are we supposed to believe in invisible things, right? Is that what we're saying? That we only believe in things that are invisible. Well, that's not what he's talking about here, obviously. And we're going to get over to what he's talking about specifically. But, you know, what is the condition of our world we're in right now? Matthew 24, Jesus, when they were asking them, man, when's the end time coming? I mean, when we're going to see the end of this age? And he begins to give them some details of some signs that would take place that the end is near. Then he goes on and he says it here, starting in verse 6. He says, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we, we are hearing that today. There's a war going on now. I mean, there's one that's got a lot of attention, and that's not really the only one on the planet, just to let you know. All right. Other wars that are happening within nations, we just don't hear about them. Not all of them. But, but there's rumors of wars, too. I mean, we're hearing about that one. China is positioning itself to take over Taiwan. That's the rumor, right? This is the rumor. This is the rumor mill out there. But look what it says. See to it that you are what? Now, you're hearing it with your ears. You're seeing it with your eyes. Everyone's talking about it. And how are you to stay out of not being afraid? Well, it's how you fix your attention. Right. No one is here saying that we don't believe or that we are disregarding or acting like that the seen stuff isn't happening, but we will not focus on what we see. You cannot just focus on what you see. What am I saying? I'm saying if you live your whole life determining how you're going to respond based upon what you're seeing, hearing, feeling touching, being associated with physically, and that begins to dictate how you operate in this life, then you do not believe the report. Right. Right. 
you are not operating in a spirit of faith because the spirit of faith operates in an area that everything can say and look away, but there is a voice beyond that can give us direction, clarity, and how we can navigate. He goes on and says, look, see to it that you're, uh, you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Well, you know, the question you could ask is, why do they have to take place? Well, the reason why they have to take place is because the more humanity rejects the living God, then their behavior will model it. At the end of the day, you have to understand that. If people will not acknowledge God who created the heavens and the earth, who is life itself, who is the author of what is right and what is wrong, what sustains life and what brings death. If you choose death, then you get the results of death. I mean, if you actually, if you wanted to take time to actually live by sight for a little bit, then you could use some common sense is what we call it, but you know, it's not so common because the reality is you're still feeding stuff that can be manipulated, okay? But if you look at communities that have um, legislation, um, laws, and behaviors that are contrary to things written in God's word that produces life, you'll see the crime rates worse there on all fronts. The family unit's worse there. Poverty's more susceptible there. Disease is more susceptible there. All you got to do is look for yourself. But now most don't want to do that. Because, and you understand, he, we in the United States, we tend to model our whole existence from communities that are extremely larger than us. You know, when I've gone into these other countries, the other countries are not the biggest city you go to. India is not New Delhi. That's just one community in the whole country. That's like saying, if you want to know the U.S., go to New York City. Now, we try to push that because there's so many different type of people in there that, you know, people, well, if you want to get a slice of the United States, then just go to these major metropolitan areas. But the reality is that does not mean that that makes up the majority of how the U.S. really is. You know how much land there is? Even in our state of Florida, so many people are moving in. But at the end of the day, if you just take some back roads other than the interstate, but even if you take the interstate, you'll be like, wow, look at all the land. I mean, you hit Jacksonville, it's like, there's no land. And then you come out, next thing you know, look at all this land. And then you just keep going, there's more land. And then if you take some of the side roads, you're like, look at all this land. I mean, why is everybody like huddled up right here? I did a little math equation. I, I can't remember the exact amount. I think it was around six acres that if the total population of the United States um, and based upon the land mass, uh, it, everybody could get about six acres right now. I mean, that's a pretty good piece of property for everybody, considering some are living in, you know, 200 square foot apartments in New York City. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. So you understand then that these things are going to take place because as humanity continues to try to live without God as being their ruler, the one that 
governs their lives, that keeps them in life, these things are going to take place, wars and rumors of wars. He says, for nations will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. And in various places, there will be famines and what? Earthquakes. But remember what he said. Do you see to it that you're not frightened? So if you are starting to get anxious, get concerned, worry. A lot of times in the church, you know, you almost act like... Um, you know, you, we almost technically can shame people for if they aren't worried about you. mean, you're not worried about anything. Like, you know, I'm worried about you. So that kind of comes across like concern, right? You know, like, I care about you. That's why I worry. Well, the Bible says do not worry. So don't worry about me. Pray for me. Right? I mean, if there's some legitimate reason why you, you know, have a thought, Pray. Because at the end of the day, if you pray, you'll get over into joy and I'll be protected and it won't be a problem in the first place. So, you know, we're not to be anxious of anything, the Bible tells us, but through all things, through prayer and supplication, we let our requests known to God. We are not to worry at all, right? And why would we worry when we have an inside track to everything going on? And where's that in tra inside track located? Right here. In you. Not up in heaven, although it comes from heaven. Because God the Father speaks to the Son who seated at his right hand, who then speaks to the Holy Spirit that resides within me because I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. It talks to my spirit and lets me know information going on. Hallelujah. But if I seek him, then I can know of him, which means that I'm never moved by what I see. Even though I see it, I can be moved to pray. I can be moved to compassion. I can be moved to grieve, you know, because of things taking place. But I can't change those other than bring prayer to those or do the thing God tells me to do in order to help bring a change at the end of the day. Paul had a great heart for Asia at one particular time and desired to go, but the Holy Ghost says, you're not going. And he says, so it didn't matter that those people had a need. Didn't matter that they were separated from the kingdom of God. The creator of heaven and the earth and the king of the kingdom says, Paul, you're not going. Wow. That's a big deal. Because a lot of times, you know, when we see a need take place, we immediately, a lot of times, want to help it. And there's nothing wrong with that unless God doesn't want you to do it. And if you don't consult with him, you're assuming it's what he wants. I have learned through eight, 18 years of ministry in this location, about 26, 27 now totally, that people love to give to tragedy. Vision's a whole nother thing. They will give towards vision just to get it started, but they will not give to vision to maintain it. Okay. I mean, it's easy to build something. It's another thing to maintain when you build. Because everybody wants new. That's why we paint all the time. Oh, it's new. They painted something new. <laughs> right? But man, if some tragedy hits, man, you can't get it out of your pocket fast enough whether you know them or not. And we will send money halfway around the world. You know how, many, how much money is going to Ukraine right now? Now, I'm not saying it shouldn't go. It obviously should go. But if you're going just because of what you see and you're not going because of what you're hearing in your spirit, that's the difference. There's a difference there.
I myself asked the question, Lord, what do we do as far as Anchor Faith Church? I mean, a lot of people are giving and we have great contacts, but is that what we should do? I have not sent any finances towards Ukraine as of to date, but we sure have prayed a lot. Now, you can say, well, wow, all you're doing is praying. I'm telling you right now, if all I'm supposed to do is pray, we'll do more than a billion dollar cent. Because the prayers of a righteous man avails much. A billion dollars to feed somebody won't do what a prayer of a righteous man can do that can thwart a whole army. Should that be the case? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you know, we better go God's way. And you know what? God was never moved. In fact, he took an army one time. Cause we're going to talk about some of these unseen things. There was, let's just, since we're talking about war, there was an army, uh, a Midian, uh, an, an, uh, a, a, uh, I don't remember which army it was at this point now, which nation it was, but there was an army that was coming towards Israel and the Lord said, put out the praisers first. And they sang a song that his mercy endures forever. And they kept singing this song. That's what they did. They sang. Now, the army was ready for battle. They were marching. They were on the march. They were going to war, expected to be in the conflict. But they had the people singing in front because God said do it. When they arrived, the Lord had already taken care of it. Hallelujah. See, we act like, it's like, is God, is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now, why is he? Because the Bible says so, not because we are saying cliche statements. Hebrews tells us in the 13th chapter that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, who is Jesus Christ? He's the king that's anointed forever, and his kingdom have no end. But who's Jesus? Jesus was first the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, John 1, 1. Then you go to the 14th verse that says, and the word became flesh. We call him Jesus. So when we say Jesus Christ or the king, King Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we're really saying the word of the king is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if the word of the king can be given to Israel to sing praises on a particular battle and it caused the enemy to be destroyed before they even show up, don't you think he could do something like that again? But what we think is that we have to get more jets. We have to get more, you know, uh, missiles. We have to do these. And our leaders get up and tout. And they never consult God. Not one time. I am getting reports from Ukraine, because we have contacts there, of many of the saints being delivered, thwarting things. You're not going to get this on Fox News because... Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, they have a whole narrative that needs to be painted. And the enemy who is the prince of power of the air has to instill fear in the world because that's how he rules. But yet if you took time and say, Lord, what's really going on? The Lord can have some conversation with you. But most of us, if we don't watch out, we will absolutely be governing our lives with very little information. I governed my afternoon, or my morning that is, off a picture and a man's word. It's still here. Yet it never existed there in the first place. It actually had never existed there in the first place. Wrong picture, wrong bike. 
And we do this. And if we can be that quick for that kind of information, then why are we not that quick with the Lord's report? Because when it comes to something we want, right? And again, at the end of the day, you know, my mom would not want me to have a motorcycle at all, right? I mean, I know this, your son, don't get a motorcycle. People die. People die in cars. People die in planes. People die in trains. People die in boats. People die walking out of their house and get struck by lightning. People die. Right? So I'm not going to put more emphasis on one than the other. Some people live their whole lives only driving motorcycles and have never wrecked. That happens. There's risk everywhere. You calculate your risk. I calculate mine with the word of God. And you know what? I don't know how long the Lord's going to tarry, and I do suspect I'll get in another country. And if there comes that day that I need to get on that motorbike, I'm going to be like, thank God I listened to the voice of my Lord. I'll do that. May it day may never happen, but if I had to get into a five-ton truck in another country, I'll run over a few things as we're getting gone. Because <laughs> I've been in one of those, right? <laughs> I'm just saying if that took place, or maybe I need to help carry some people somewhere. Maybe I just needed to get on that motorcycle to get to that remote village. And so I need to learn how to drive that to get there because they haven't heard about Jesus yet. Right? Maybe that's it. I get it. But we follow the voice of God. It's very important. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, literally, for we walk how? And that word walk is not like me walking right now. This is not walking by faith. I'm walking and I'm in faith. That's not what he's talking about. Walk means your life is governed by faith. Your life is governed. You walk by. It's your walk of life. It's how you live. How do you live? By faith, not by sight. Now, it can be a little misleading, right? But we're only talking about natural senses because when you walk by faith, you actually do see. You see the completion of God's word. You keep your eyes fixed on the author and finisher of your faith. So when I'm in faith, it's not because I can't see something. It's because I clearly see his word was forever settled in heaven. And I'm calling those things that be not as though they were, and I'm bringing them into existence because God already has them in existence. I just get them to me because he said I could have them. He said that this was his will for my life in this situation. And so that word is more real than the circumstance or situation that I could be facing or that's being faced in the world. And in these days, you have to be absolutely without apology living by faith, which means then you're going to have to condition yourself to clearly hear the voice of God. And another voice you will not follow. I can't make you follow God. Your mama can't make you follow God. Your daddy can't make you follow God. Your friends can't make you. Your employees, the person sitting beside you. You got to make that choice all by yourself to follow God. And in following God, I can guarantee you there are many times that you'll step out and it, every, every condition says you shouldn't be doing this in fact, the world will call you foolish. Man, you're a fool doing that. 
What are you thinking, they'll say. I'm thinking like God because I heard his voice. Hallelujah. I mean, had there been some, 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 some real like out of the box crazy stuff take place with God? I mean, we have a book full of crazy stuff. That is like mind-blowing. But yet, at a voice of God, you know, in the old covenant, the prophets heard from God. They were anointed of God and could hear from God. I love this one. <coughs> so this guy borrowed an axe, you know, he's cutting wood, and he goes to pull that thing back, you know, and the whole head flies off and falls into the water. Sinks. He's like, you know, master, which was the prophet, you know, I've lost it, I've borrowed it, what do I do? You know what the prophet didn't do? Let's just take him an offering. I mean, seriously, we just buy another one, right? Now, again, we think like that because you can go to Ace Hardware or Home Depot and pick up another one. You know, there's a blacksmith had to make these things, you know, it's take a little more time to, you know, I'm not sure that they had just axes laid out at the blacksmith shop for that matter, okay? But could they have picked up some um, money to have the blacksmith make another one for them? Could they have done that? Yeah, and most of us would think that way. But the prophet who had an ear to God says, um, let me grab a stick. He grabbed a stick, threw it in the water. Because yeah, he, where, where, did, where did it happen? I saw it land over there. Okay, let me grab the stick. Throws the stick out, and all of a sudden the axe head floats to the surface. This is crazy. But did it happen? Yeah. He said, I go out there, wait out there and get it. Didn't have to buy a new one, just go get the one that you lost. Right? Famine. In these last days, there'll be famines. We, we talked about this. See, the Lord spoke to me when I was praying today about what to communicate. And he says, I want you to follow what I spoke through Pastor Marcy uh, during the Kingdom Rise revival on that Saturday night and then went into Sunday. And I just want you to touch a little bit more. It's very important that my people live by faith. See, because he tells us also in Matthew 24 that because of lawlessness, the love of many will wax cold. And that love is agape, which these are believers. In fact, it also tells us because of great persecution that can come, and it will come in a lot of nations. It's in ours to a degree but it's even more so in other nations and people will begin to betray each other just because they don't want to be associated with Christ. But we're seeing e this even happen in our own nation with so-called Christian artists and so-called proclaimed Christians that all of a sudden came out of the closet and say, I don't even believe in God at all now. But first John let us know. He said, listen, there's going to be people in the end. At the end of the day, they're going to walk away. They were never with us in the first place. They're not there. They're not with us. But this agape, this love growing cold, you only get after the love of God's been shed and brought in your heart, which means there are going to be, the Bible tells us that in the end times that among believers, they will fall away. So don't sit here and say, I'm good. That'd be the great deception for you to go, I'm good. Because if you don't learn to live by faith, you're not going to be good. You're going to get caught up in everything that ever shows up. Because the devil's really good 
at making sure you can somehow identify with the tragedy and conflict so that then you can t take up arms with it. Well, let's take up arms with the king. Let's take up arms with the word. I mean, if we're going to stand somewhere and take a stand, let's take a stand with the word. Let's just stay there. Because in the end, that's the only thing that's going to remain anyway. So we are to live by faith and not by sight. So, because Pastor Marcy was encouraging us, I know you're hearing inflation. I know you're hearing about war. I you need to always stay focused. Well, the Lord wants me to continue to capitalize on that. Because you understand this. I don't care how much gas gets. Doesn't matter to me. All I need is the word of my king. Because my king is not limited to how much money comes into my account. Jesus shows up before he's even working miracles. Hadn't worked one yet. Mama's there. They're at a wedding party. And all of a sudden they come up and go, we don't have any more wine. We're going to run out. This is embarrassment. This is really embarrassing. This is not good, actually, at all. This is horrible in the tradition of weddings, uh, you know, in this time period. So they go to Mary, and Mary says, I'll take care of it. Jesus, they're about to run out of wine. You need to do something about it. Jesus is like, listen, what's that have to do with me? It's not my time. It's none of my business. And Mary was so convinced that compassion was going to rise up in him, she turned to everybody and says, whatever this man says, do it. Whatever he, whatever he, whatever he, whatever he says, whatever he says, do it. Jesus says, all right, see all those pots? Fill them up with water. Fill them up. And, and the servants are filling them up with water. With their eyes, they see water. Fill it up. And Jesus said, all right, now dip your cup in there and pull it out. Drink it. Now, what do you think he expects? You bet. But what does he taste? He tastes wine. Jesus didn't say, all right, let's take up an offering. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to run as fast as you can to your neighbor's house, and I want you to go get his stuff and tell him the Lord has need of it. I mean, he's done that before, hasn't he? He's done that before. He said, you know, the Bible talked about me coming into Jerusalem on a donkey day. Nobody ever rode before. I don't currently possess it, but the man down there does. So I'm not going to pay for this thing. I just want you to go and say to them when you untie it, if they talk to you, tell them the Lord has it. Say the Lord has need of it. Are you hearing me? At a word, water turned into wine and they were blown away. Yet, if we don't watch out, we will look at our account, start looking at the market, start looking at jobs, start looking at how much things cost, and never once say, now, Lord, I know you're going to take care of me. And many times we go and say, now, Lord, I believe you're going to bring the money in. The Lord's like, money has nothing to do with this because I'm not limited to money. Now, can he bring you money? Sure, you can get a raise. You can get... You can get promoted in time of famine. That can happen. That's no problem. I'm just saying don't limit. Don't go in towards your relationship with God in a situation and say, you did it this way for them. You got to do it for me that way. He doesn't have to do it that way with you. He could do it a different way and it still be God. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Boy, living by faith is tougher than it sounds, but it's plausible. I know in my own personal testimony, uh, Mr. Barry and I were out putting up a fence, and um, man, I'm like, there's just not enough. You know, what was delivered is just not enough. And we got a section, you know, I think I've, you know, y'all have heard it before, but there's guests here tonight. You know, probably about the length of the front of this stage from speaker to speaker. We got about that far, and I've been, the whole time I'm saying, man, it's just not enough. I'm just saying what it is, man. These are facts, people. We got to go all the way down to the wall for sure. Go all the way up to wall property where that red box is. Cut back across. Then it jogs again. Then it comes back around probably up where this little thing here is. And then we have it all closed in. And we're not going to make it. No way we're going to make it. We're going to make it maybe around the corner. We're done. I got there and I heard in my spirit God say to me, he says, son, is that what you're going to say? That's all he had to say, but he was talking more than that because basically he was like, can't I do something? You haven't even asked me. You didn't even consult with me. Someone took the time to bring a supply and you in your eyes do see that it's not, but are you going to talk to me about what I want to do about with what you have? I mean, what did Jesus say? Man, there's 5,000 men out here. The women and children are here too. They've been with me for three days just hearing me preach. We feed people to try to get them to hear us preach. They came to hear Jesus preach and wouldn't eat. And Jesus is like, man, I'm not going to send these people home. They haven't eaten for three days. They've been fasting, just hanging on every word that comes out of my mouth. And it's fed their spirit, but their natural man needs something now. He looked to his guys and said, man, we need to feed these people. And they're like, what? <laughs> now, they held the treasury because people gave to Jesus. And they said, now that would cost about 200 denarius, about 200 days wage to feed every one of these people right here. Is that what you, they asked, do you want us to pull 200 days wages of what we have and go buy bread for everybody? I mean, now you're having bread trucks show up, right? I mean, you got a whole little assembly line of stuff going. And Jesus says, I know we got the money and I know you could go purchase it. I mean, that's if enough people had made the bread that you could purchase that much right now. And they're not all sold out. He said, but that's not what's necessary. What do we have? The child showed up. I mean, what if until inflation left the United States, you never had to go grocery shopping again? Right? I mean, I fill up my gas tanks too. You know, they, it was a lot cheaper <laughs> not too long ago. Right? Now, I don't cry over that. I'm like, well, a couple things are going to happen. Either this is going to multiply if necessary you're going to bring some multiplication somewhere because at the end of the day, you're a God that doesn't lack and all I got to do is hear because I'm not going to worry and be led by my, the circumstance we're in. He said, man, I got five loaves and two fish. He said, man, that's, that's, that's good. And you understand the disciples are like, it's a kid's lunch, Jesus. This is like crazy stuff. Listen, if you aren't willing to get into like crazy stuff, then you're going to have a hard time living by faith. This is like crazy stuff here, guys. That Jesus is like, we're going to feed them all with this. <laughs> he blesses it, and then he says, okay, here. You know, he said, now tell, go out there and tell them how to sit. Get them in groups of 50, all right? Oh, so they do that. They come back and say, okay, here. 
You take this, now you go. You take this, now you go. He sends it to all 12 of them. And they go out, feed their little groups, come back. Jesus like, here's some more. Now, you understand the fact that they even made it through the first 12 is a miracle. I mean, we're already in miracle status. Right? And then the one comes back, we give him more, and we give him more, and give him more, and give him more, and give him more. And they say, you know, dude, we have fed everybody, and I'm eating myself. Right? And then they look around, and they're like, Jesus is like, go pick up the leftovers. You'd be like, leftovers? This is a miracle right now that we're just all eating. Right? But then there's leftovers, and they come back with 12 baskets full. And guess who gets the overflow? The boy who sowed the, lead, the, the, the little lunch. I love faith as a child. The faith of the child didn't say, you know, well, what do we have? What, what's, what's going on? Jesus asked him for some food. He wants to feed everybody. Oh, all I got is, uh, I mean, I, I don't have nothing. Oh, man, I'm preaching. I can't even tell you how many people sit right here in this service and out services all over, the, all over the United States and all of a sudden like, hey, we need to get this project. Man, all I have, and I now sit on it and don't know that God could multiply that seed and get you a return bigger than you can imagine. And he said, now all 12 of y'all, you go take those home with the boy. Now, what do you think mom and dad thought? Son, where'd you get all this food from? <laughs> right? I mean, this is crazy stuff. But you got to allow yourself to think a little crazy. You got to allow yourself. The end of the story of my offense is that I did talk to the Lord. And I said, all right, Lord, you're right. I said, we'll have more than enough. And I changed my word. And we went to the end, went around the corner, passed where we should have ended, kept going, kept going. And eventually we ran out the same distance, literally the exact same distance I was saying we don't have enough. I paid for that with money when I could have received it through a different currency called faith. Because faith is the currency of the kingdom. See, what's it say here in Romans 10, 16 to 17? It says, that, however, they did not heed the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And it's still this today. I mean, I'm talking right now. And there literally could be people in this room like, this is stupid. This is crazy. I don't believe that. And that's why you don't have it. But there's a lot of crazy people in here that believe it. And they're getting it. And it manifesting. And it's just happening. And no, we can't explain it either. I mean, just like when Elijah went to the widow woman who was collecting the sticks because there was a famine, and, she said, and he says, hey, um, can you feed me? She said, look, I only got enough for me and my kid. I'm going to cook it, and we're going to die. He said, you make me one first. Then you feed yourself. Most of y'all be like, that's a horrible man of God. That pastor needs to be run out of town. He's taking money from the widow. No, he's giving the widow a full supply. Because it required her to believe at that point that he has been sent and that he has a word from God. So she cooks him, cooks for her and a boy. The next day, I'm not going to tell you because the Bible doesn't say that the minute she did, poof, all of a sudden there's a bunch of flour in this barrel now and they've got a full supply that they get to see. We are to live by faith, not by sight. I would surmise it would be more accurate that what was in there that she pulled out and cooked them, that she was scraping the bottom and she put it, probably the same amount was the next day. I'm speculating. I don't know this for sure, but I could see how every day, because we are to live by faith daily. And it never ran out. 
It just kept supplying. I mean, it just kept supplying. I mean, God brings Israel out of Egypt. They are the wealthiest nation now. They have spoiled that whole nation. They have all the gold, all the silver. They have all their uh, wealthy clothes. I mean, they have it all. Earrings. I mean, they got everything. Bring them out to a wilderness and can't find a McDonald's. Nowhere. No place to eat. Nobody's, you know, set up on the side road selling bread. And they're hungry. And the Lord's like, watch this. That's crazy. That's crazy. And they go out and pull this stuff called manna. They can bowl it, fry it. <laughs> I mean, they do all kind of stuff with this stuff. But it's really just a test. He said, I'm the bread of life, and I'm just trying to teach you. Will you live by my word? Man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of my. So whose report do you believe? He said, listen, I'm saying it, and they don't believe it. That's the problem. I'm saying it, they don't believe it. I'm saying it, they don't believe it. I'm saying it, they don't believe it. So here it is, I'm saying it, they don't believe it. So faith comes by hearing. So what's he saying? And we've explained this really good recently. Everybody has faith. Everyone on the planet has faith. When we hear faith, we think that's only Christians. That's not true. Everybody has faith. Put that back up there, Romans chapter 10, so they can see verse 17. Do you need to understand? Everybody in the world has faith because faith is a firm persuasion. That means you act on it. Let me give you non-biblical faith, all right? Meaning not attached to God. Ye on Tuesday, I had faith that the pitcher and the man's voice was correct concerning the motorcycle I was going to purchase till I got there. By faith, I drove all the way to Jacksonville, Orange Park. By faith. I was firmly, so much so that I took another person off their job and another person off their job, and they got in the vehicle with me, and all of us, by faith, we were firmly persuaded. I was getting a motorcycle, and this is the one. When I showed them the picture, oh, that's nice, yeah. I mean, they were expecting to see it. When we first rolled up, one saw blue and said, well, that's it. And I looked, I said, nah, that's not it, because I knew it wasn't a shiny blue. It was matted, and it didn't have stripes on it. Okay, so we went looking. Went to the bathroom, came back out, asked the guy, and then at that point we find out we were sorely disappointed. But it governed the way we operated that day. See, faith will cause you to act. And everybody does this. Every report we hear is causing us to act. All the stuff you're doing is because you're hearing it. How you respond to any situation going on in the world today is because of what you're hearing. And again, I get it. The great debate goes, well, who's right? Well, I know who's right. The Lord. The Lord's right. That's who's right. He's right. And if you're a child of God, it's very simple. All you got to do is say, well, Dad, what am I supposed to do in this situation? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to do? And I will conclude, not every response in certain natural looks would be the same. I get that. Some things can be a little different 
depending on a situation that you're in. And I'm not saying the truth's different. I'm just saying how you may navigate in certain situations. But what you have a firm persuasion in your heart, we all should have the same firm persuasion. Are you hearing me? Because faith comes by hearing. Everyone ha everyone's hearing, so everyone is developing faith. But he t qualifies our hearing. He says in hearing how? By the word of Christ. So your faith is supposed to be in God's word. Not the president, not the governor, not Fox, not CNN, not your mama. And I don't care how much she prays. Because mama didn't save you. I know she threatens you and tells you that she birthed you and she can kill you. Well, I can kill you. Anybody can kill you. I mean, you can be killed. I get that. But Jesus Christ died for you. And now legally owns you by birthright in his kingdom and has the right to say, let me tell you how to navigate this situation and believe me at my word. I know what it looks like, but I got it. I got it. I know this isn't popular preaching anymore. I get it, but that's okay. We'll preach it anyway. Look what he, he even says this in Isaiah 43, 26. This is God, and this is the modern King James Version. I think they have that up here. He says this, cause me to remember. God says it, cause me to remember. Let us enter into judgment. Declare yourself that you may be justified. Now, the direct context of this is that he's got his nation that have gone off the chain and followed another nation, another God, and he's like, you're going to talk to me about how, whether I'm being righteous in my judgment, you go ahead and bring your case and see if you can defend yourself. But it comes from this concept, context in the word judgment. He said, let us enter into judgment together. Really what the Lord is saying, this it says, the language is that which is used of two parties who come together to try a cause or a case or to engage in a debate. And the sense is that God proposed to enter into an uh, argumentation with the entire pagan world in regards to his ability to save his people. That is, he proposed to show the reasons why they should trust in him rather than dread those under whose power they, uh, they then were and by whom they had been oppressed. So in essence, he's saying, why are you following these nations' gods that they don't care about you, they can't even hear, they're not even gods? And you're at like they can save you from these oppressed people? Like what the government's telling you to do and how to respond is how it's going to save you? He's like, go ahead and bring your case to me. Let's go ahead and call. Why don't you cause it to come to my remembrance? And I, I love this because I, when I get with the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to bring your word up. The Lord wants, well, bring my, bring my word back to me. You, your word says by his stripes you were healed. You bore my infirmity and you took all my sickness and disease. You said by his stripes you were healed, so that means I am healed. You put stripes on a physical God, uh, man's back called Jesus, who's the son of God, so that I could walk in the divine health care of your kingdom while I was in the earth. When a symptom or a disease tried to attack me, I could plead the blood. Your word says that. And then by faith, 
I have more faith in the blood of Jesus and his stripes than any other medical procedure on the face of the planet. Now, that does not mean I would not go to a doctor or I would not do a medical procedure because I would always follow the voice of God. You could clearly have something inside you that needs to be plucked out. I do not walk around life saying, you got to work a miracle here. I complete my case according to this. Now, how do you want me to go? And that's how I move. Not by how I feel. Not by what I see. Not from the statistics. We are a negative bent people. Why? Because we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. So we always think of worst case scenario. I mean, even naturally, people have recovered from cancer. Even naturally, been in remission. But we want to talk about all the ones who died. Right? Or any other disease or situation or whatever. You know how many marriages actually can make it and do? But what we won't talk about? All the ones who didn't. We'll talk about the ones who didn't, the wives that didn't, the husbands that didn't. We're going to talk about the kids that didn't. But there's plenty that have. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.1 1 says it this way. Now faith is, this is the Amplified Classic translation. Now faith is, y'all doing all right? Y'all are way too quiet for me tonight. I don't know if that rain this morning got you on the blase's. But that's why I'm not moved by how you respond to me. I preach myself happy regardless. Amen. Because at the end of the day, I know the Holy Ghost is going to cause it all to come to your remembrance. He's going to talk to you anyway while we're out of the room. I'm not here to convince you. You've got to convince yourself. <laughs> I'm going to live this way. Now, faith is the assurance. This is the assurance. Assurance is confident. I mean, again, now, brother, I'm not. I am sure when I hear God's word, that he's going to do what he says. So I'm not going to listen to you. And you're going to tell me about everybody who tried to do it, it didn't work. I'm sorry. I can't help that. That's not my problem. I'm just going to go ahead and just believe God. I mean, I'm going to get firmly persuaded. It is what it is, and it's that way and no other way, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. And remember, I gave us a little lesson so we can kind of understand in our natural sense of what it means to be firmly persuaded. Three plus one equals? Are you confident? Are you firmly persuaded? I mean, you're like, bro, I'd... I mean, if I'm like, your life depends on whether you can get three plus one right. I mean, could you be like, no problem? I put a gun to your head, say three plus one is... Now, you can get nervous. I get it. But you would be confident. And if I said it's really seven and then try to act some stupid way, you know, that have, you know, make it seven somehow, right? Or say it's B. Let's me say it's B. Three plus one is B. What do you mean it's B? Yeah, three. You put the one in front of it. You put it together. It turns into a capital B. So three plus one is a B. I know. It's silly. But you know, that's how the devil dupes people. And we should be laughing at the devil when he comes and says, you can't be healed. Do you see what's going on, going on in our world right now? It's going to happen to you too. You're going to die like everybody else. You're going to get caught up like everybody else. You're going to lose your job like everybody else. Your marriage is going to fall apart like everybody else. 
You can't trust anybody any more than anybody else can. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That's why we say, you know, you know, that the unseen is more real than the seen. Because what we see now, if it's contrary to God's word, it, it will change for the believer. It will change. Now, I'm not saying the situation will change, per se, as much as God will deliver you from the situation. That can happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, 1 John. Amen. We'll close with this verse right here, these two verses. Because again, whose report? I said, whose report? Now, this is Anchor Faith Church, people. I mean, last time I checked, we were Anchor Faith Church. And I didn't lose the anchor in my faith. I've not lost it. I've still got it and going after more. At the end of the day, I'm going to be firmly persuaded the next obstacle, next challenge, next thing. I drive on this property. I claim a 1,000 adults submitted and committed to the vision. I claim the paying off of them all. I thank him for wisdom that I have to be able to, for us to be able to uh, revitalize this thing. I call it painted. I see the paint job on it now. I see it. I mean, I see it in my spirit. Yet, it still naturally looks the same. But I'm convinced it won't be like this forever. It'll have to change. And the resources for it to do will do so. And again, as we were saying, we now have at our disposal a whole food warehouse that we are going to start getting weekly. And during this inflation, you may not have to go shopping. Until it's done. They're like begging us to come pick it up. And I'm not talking expired stuff. I'm not talking about stuff that's going to be on a shelf life in a week, you know. Like, you know, we got to get rid of the stuff. You know, Jesse brings us bread. And that stuff now, you got to get your bread. Right? I mean, this is like, you got to get the bread and eat it because there's a time frame. But the stuff we're talking about... I mean, you keep for the next, you, some of it's canned goods, you keep for the next 10 years. Crazy. But God will take care of his people. We're fine, with us, we're finding we don't have a supply chain deficit right now in the realm of food. And I won't even tell you about furniture. I won't even tell you about another opportunity that came through Roddy that we're exploring now, where companies like Amazon and Sam's, brand new stuff, wanting to give it away. Yeah, you might find your next living room. Because the wealth of the wicked is being laid up for the righteous. But you got to be able to have faith for that. You can't be like, man, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay? What are we gonna? You can't live that way. I said you can't live that way. 
you got to be confident, firmly persuaded. You know what? I'm in the planet right now. God knew the world was going to go bad. He told us this before he even left the planet himself. And so I'm in the age where it's going to get bad. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very difficult. And people are going to be acting like super crazy, man. I mean, like no morals at all. But in the midst of that, here comes God's champions. Here comes the kings of the king. Here comes those that believe God in his word and do his exploits. I mean, don't you want to be one of those that said, well, we just threw a stick out and the whole boat came up. They're like, you're crazy. Crazy it may be, but all these people are on the shore. And let me tell you, the miracles are going to get televised. Because when we do leave and the two witnesses show up, they'll be filming all that stuff. They'll be like, these guys are crazy. I mean, the whole world want them dead because of what they're saying. Oh, my gosh. They'll be saying, the Lord's not happy with you. The billboards that say God loves you, he's not mad, will not exist. <laughs> They'll probably be the first to be burned. The two witnesses be like, burn those. Because this is the wrath of God. And that is actually mercy. Now, I say that, but that's mercy. Because at the end of the day, he's still giving them an opportunity to do what? Repent. And acknowledge him. And the only reason it's gotten to that part is because all the other time, this is what's so crazy, guys, you have to understand, is that the world's, they acting like, what? But you don't know how many opportunities they've already had. You don't know how many people have already come by and shared something with them and gave something to them and prayed for them and, and laid hands on them. They actually got healed. I mean, Jesus literally took a man that was stuck on a mat, a bed, healed that guy and then come back later on because he said pick up your bed now go home and then come back and he said now listen go and sin no more so nothing worse comes on you now we don't know what happened to that guy he could have gone and sinned more and something worse came on him and a believer who's not trained to hear god go by and go oh poor guy Oh, Lord, wish you, let's heal this guy. Lord, we want to heal. Let's lay hands on him. You're a miracle-working God. The Lord's like, I, I healed him. When I was in the planet, I was the one who did that. You, I had it documented by one of my apostles. And I told him not to do this. He's in the condition because he chose to go back. Now, I'm not saying God wouldn't give him another chance. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... There are, there's some time where the Lord's like, you don't want me? Fine. And it's not God's fault. It's their rejection of God. All right, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we'll close here. And this is the confidence. Say confidence. Aren't you glad you're confident? I'm telling you, you got to get confident. Most of us are extremely confident in what we see, hear, feel, Hearing from neighbors. Neighbor come over and say, did you hear? What? <laughs> did you hear about so-and-so? What happened? And so-and-so is not even there. Oh, I'm preaching. I mean, we're like, are you serious? Yeah. They did that? I mean, you're like talking to them like it's absolute reality. And all you've done is engage in their gossip. Because some of you, you want it to happen. 
Oh, my, my. Well, let's pray for them. You should have shut them up. Don't talk to me about them. Let's just pray for them right now. You want to wait and get all the goods first and then act like you're going to get holy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and laugh. And you just look at your neighbor and say, you know that's about you. <laughs> what? Pastor Earl did what? Didn't do it. It's a lie. <laughs> and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness. I love this. I love this, man. The privilege of boldness. I am not a sorry sinner saved by grace. I used to be a sinner. I was broke, beat down underneath a tyrannical ruler called the devil, but God. He delivered me. He paid the price for me, and then he called me. He called me and said, son, get up out of that thing. And I answered the call, and then he robed me in righteousness. And he put a crown on my head, and he put a ring on my finger, and he gave me a scepter of authority called the name of Jesus. And he said, now say stuff in my name. I'm like, all right, Jesus said it. That's called the privilege of boldness. Well, I, I, I mean, I... You know, Lord, please, if you would, the devil's on me real hard now. I'm not really sure we're going to make it, but we're going to cry. Is that the privilege of boldness? I'm like, can I slap the devil off you right now? I don't know what's wrong. That's not the privilege of boldness. No, the privilege. This is the con this is this your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? I mean, why do we not read these things? I love these passages of scripture. Awesome. I'm like, thank you. I've been delivered. Yes. It's a privilege of boldness. I use this on myself. If I blow it, make a mistake, you know, so say something to my wife, and I know that's just really not the love of God in that conversation right now. Yet I feel vindicated. And I'm walking around like, and the Lord's like, really? You're like, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe really. <laughs> He's like, you know what you got to do. So then I have to start like, okay, okay. Well, let's go ahead and let's get the privilege of boldness. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself right now because I blew it. You know what? He'll forgive me. He said that he's faithful and just to forgive me of all my sin. I just done it wrong now. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to be bold about this now. Because I'm not going to sit around here and be in the mully grubs about this and be back, feel terrible about myself because I blew it. No, I'm all right. He made me righteous. Now, I ask you to forgive me. He's claiming. Then I can go in there boldly and say, honey, I am sorry. I should not have done And that's boldness now, the privilege of boldness. I've humbled myself. God told me I was wrong, and I asked him to forgive me, and ain't nobody going to tell me now that I ain't right. And if she's still dealing with the, you know, the effects of my stupidity, and, and says something to me that could technically hurt me, well, I don't have to let it affect me because I'm right. And I can boldly walk out and say, I, I submitted to God, I got it right, now she got to deal with herself. <laughs> so she get bold, the privilege of boldness of getting that right all by herself, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, we are so used to mamby-pamby, sissy Christianity. It's so pathetic, man. And it's not. It's not the Christ that we serve. Jesus did not come and say, man, I just don't know how I'm going to deal with this sin down here. There is nothing in the, in the temptation of Christ with the, I'm talking the devil himself who actually took dominion from Adam. I mean, this is a personal vendetta. I mean, most of the time the devil doesn't even spit, even waste an evil spirit on you because your flesh has got you beat so bad. I mean, you don't even have to have an evil spirit go by you to mess you up. He can have, <laughs> he can have somebody else's flesh look at you. You see how they looked at me? By God, if I wasn't righteous, I'd just bust them in the face right now. <laughs> okay. That was, that was righteous right there. That's a righteous thought. I mean, I'm glad you let it. I'm just being real, man. You're being real carnal. You need to get real righteous and humble yourself and like, you know, must have had a twitch in there. I mean, maybe... <laughs> Hey, brother, you need to go, is something in your eye? I mean, is there like, you need some water? Because you're looking at me funny. <laughs> me, I'm just like, who they looking at? Because it sure can't be me. I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> Everybody loves me like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness that we have in him. We are sure. Not guessing. <laughs> we are sure. Not guessing. If you're guessing, you're not sure. So you're not in faith. So keep seeking till you get sure. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if since we positively, positively now, Know that he listens to, to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted, that we have granted us our present possessions, the request made of him. If, I, if God speaks to me and say, you believe me for this, and I will with privileged boldness declare that thing, call it that way. And nobody's going to talk me off the shelf. Nobody's going to make me turn. Not a war, not a famine, not an earthquake, not a tsunami. Sex trafficking is not going to stop me. It's all kind of bad stuff going on in the world. All I can do is make power available in my prayers towards it as I'm led by the Spirit of God to do so. Be very pointed. Sometimes praying in the Holy Ghost because they don't even know how to pray about those situations. Sure, does it get you upset? Do you want to see things done different? Does there a righteous anger that manifests in our life? Absolutely, I agree. They do, it does, but I'm not Jesus. So I have to hear him to do my part, but at the end of the day, his plan for my life cannot be stopped, cannot be thwarted, cannot be hindered, to the point that it cannot manifest. The devil can bring hindrances. Even Paul said, man, I tried to get, but I was three, I mean, I was hindered by the devil. 
But eventually, did he get to where he needed to go and do all they needed to do? Yeah, because at the end, he said, let me give you my final letter, son. I fought the good fight. I've, won the, I've ran my race. I have finished my course. I can go now. Because what I was assigned to do is done. I've poured out my life as a drink offering. No matter how much issues that came to me, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the persecution, the thieves, the backbiting and the stuff from my own countrymen didn't stop me. Been in prison so many times for Jesus' sake, but I just kept going. Because I had this privilege of boldness about me that I was confident that God's plan for my life had to happen. Now, I wasn't going to live by my circumstances. I wasn't going to live by what I saw. I wasn't going to live by what I was hearing. I was only going to live by faith. What did my king tell me to do today? How did he tell me to respond to this situation? How am I supposed to act? Because I'm not going to get up, get caught up in the world's way of responding to things. I'll only respond the way my king says. When the church rises and does that, then the world will take notice. And when the world take notice, two things are going to happen. Many will come into the kingdom. Because there's many outside that really want to know there really is a God. And when they see you live like that, they're like, there has to be. Because that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, and it came to pass. But then there's the others that hate God even more. And they'll want to persecute you more. And they'll want to come after you more. But what can man do to you? If God be who? Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.